We're going to be in Mark chapter 9 today, if you'd be finding that in your Bible. And just to encourage your heart, there will come a day when we will get out of Mark chapter 9, but it won't be today. Mark chapter 9, and I just want to begin by reading a couple of verses of Scripture, a very meaningful passage of Scripture uh, today, and I trust the Lord will use it to encourage and help all of us. If you're able to stand, we'd ask for you to stand for the reading of the Scripture today, and we'll begin reading in verse... 41. This, this verse we ended the lesson last Sunday with. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ. Verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me. It is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. From verse 43 and following, Jesus talks about offenses also. I really originally intended to to pretty much finish this chapter because all of this remaining verses have to do with offenses. But next Sunday, Lord willing, we'll cover the latter part of it where he says, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. And if your hand offends you, cut it off. Very, very important lessons there as well. But I want to devote our time today to this passage where he talks about offending little ones. Look at it again, verse 42. And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. Let's pray. Again, as we get into the scripture, Lord, please bless today as we study. We need your help. We want to give our attention to you and to your word. We want to be able to understand, recognize what you have for us from the word of God today. And so please help us to resist any distractions or hindrances. We pray the spirit of God would work. We pray that you'd bind the enemy today who would try to prevent us from hearing and obeying your word. And we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Let's begin this morning by just reminding ourselves what the word offend means or offense means. It says in verse 42, whosoever shall offend one of these little ones. Uh, the word offend is mentioned about four times in the, from here and all to the end of the passage. It's mentioned 32 times in the New Testament. The word offend means to cause someone to stumble. To cause someone or cause someone to incline to, uh, to fall, to trip someone up. To entice someone to sin. That would be an offense, to entice someone. It's like a snare or a trap or a stumbling block. As a matter of fact, that we may look at a verse that uses that term, stumbling block, today. So to offend someone is to hurt them spiritually, right? It's to, and, he said, and he says, if you offend one of these little ones that believe in me, if you hurt them spiritually, if you contribute to their stumbling or their falling... Then he says, it's better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. Very simply, it's it's a very serious offense 
to cause someone to stumble spiritually. It's a very serious matter in the eyes of God to offend one of these little ones. Now you might remember that in the, this context, if you backed up to verse 36 and verse 37, Jesus made an illustration using a child. He brought that child. Let's look at that together. Verse 36. And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me receiveth not me, but him that sent me. So he's had this child sitting in his lap. He's had this child before them. Matter of fact, just as a refresher, these disciples a lot of times didn't understand Jesus. Why he did what he did, the way he did things. And one time, they even said to Jesus, could we get these kids, I'm going to paraphrase, could we get get rid of these kids because they're kind of getting in the way? And Jesus rebuked them for that. Jesus loved kids. Um, Many, many, many years ago, over in the other building, um, we held a meeting, we held more than one meeting with Brother Hyman Appleman. Some of y'all remember that name, Hyman Appleman. He was a Jewish evangelist, a Jew that became a, a follower of Christ. And he preached for us more than once. But one of the things that always impressed me about Brother Appleman, in the last conversation I had with him, he was 81 years old. He he made his mark for a long time. But he would always be talking to kids. He'd give kids a piece of candy, and he'd be working with kids, and he had this real thick, he was from Russia, real thick accent. Jesus loved children, and Jesus loves children. And so Jesus has been illustrating with this child, and he spoke in verses 36 and 37, 37 in particular, about receiving a child in his name. He said, whoever receives a child in his name, he says, you're receiving me. And you're not just receiving me. You're receiving him that sent me. So Jesus promised to reward those who love children, those who minister to children. And, and it's a great blessing to receive children and help children in their spiritual journey. So then we see this contrast in verse 42, where he says, Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me. So there are those who will be blessed, there are those who will be rewarded for encouraging children, for being a blessing to young people and children. But then there are those who have offended them, those who've caused them to stumble is a very serious matter. Can you see that in the Bible? Very simply, it's a very serious matter to trip someone up spiritually. There are many applications of this. We'll look at a few today, but this is, this is a very serious issue, I think. And Jesus makes it a very serious issue. He said it would be better for you to have a millstone hanged around your neck and cast into the sea. Now, when I first began, became a Bible reader, there are a lot of terms in the Bible I could not relate to. This is one of them, a millstone. You know, I would think of a rock. You'd think of, you know, I didn't really know what to think of a millstone, what a millstone is, but it's a large stone used for grinding grain. Since that time, I've seen some millstones. Here's a few pictures of a millstone. You see how... Large, uh, I read somewhere that before 
1500 A.D., most, the average size of a millstone was about six feet. That's a pretty big rock to be hanging around your neck. Here's another picture of a millstone working, grinding grain. They, these, these listeners of Jesus were very familiar with millstones and what they meant. Here's another two millstones together. And here's a graphic I found on the internet that shows what this would be like. A man with a millstone around his neck. Now, I'm not a great swimmer. I can stay afloat for a while. But I don't think I could swim very far with that around my neck. And Jesus said this. Thanks, guys. Jesus said that if you offend one of these little ones, you'd be better off with a millstone tied around your neck and you thrown into the sea, cast into the sea. These are consequences that Jesus wanted us to think about and wanted them to think about. And as I said earlier, this, this speaks so clearly to me and so loudly about those who hurt or harm little ones that believe, right? That's a serious offense. And we're going we're gonna to make more than one application, but when I read this, I can't help but think about the unbe- unbelievable number of children in our world who have been emotionally or spiritually or physically wounded in their life. It's a very serious, serious matter. And it's a painful reality, but it is a reality. And one of the great tragedies is that this happens far too frequently in what should be safe places where children are molested or children are offended or children are hurt. Just this past week, if you listen to the news at all, either this past week or the week before, the Boy Scouts of America filed bankruptcy. And the reason they did is because of the vast number of lawsuits having to do with sexual abuse. What was once a very profitable organization has had so many accusations or actual occurrences of sexual abuse that they filed bankruptcy. And that's just a part of what's going in our culture. And that's hard. It's horrific. But I need to say this. Religious groups are often in the news because of this kind of behavior, including Baptist preachers and churches. And not just guilty of it having happened on their watch, but even worse than that, if anything could be worse than that, the shame of covering it up and not trying to deal with it. It happens in churches and religious movements. And I'm just saying these things ought not to be. Jesus Christ has strong things to say about anyone who would harm a little one. Can you see that in the Scripture? What if we somehow... Now, let's personalize this. You and I. What if we somehow contributed to the spiritual fall of another person? Not just a little child, not just talking about some kind of abuse in that form, but, but other things like that. You know, I want to say this. Because as much as you would not want to think it's true, I know it to be true. Anytime you get this many people in a room, there are going to be people who know the pain of being abused, especially as a child. 
If you were here two Wednesdays ago, I asked a guest preacher that was just here traveling through, a good, good friend of ours, and in the sermon he was talking about how uh, there's no such temptation taken you, but such is as common to man. He was saying the, the heartaches and the problems and the trials we have are not unique to us. The whole world has them. But he said in, the, in his sermon, in his introduction, that he was sexually abused as a child. By the grace of God, it's not scarred him. It's not prevented him to be a very effective servant of God. He doesn't carry around bitterness and hatred on his life. But I'm just saying, for anybody that's experienced something like that, there is acceptance and there is healing in the grace of Jesus Christ. And I thank God for that. God's people, back to our text, God's people should be loving and caring people. God's people. If he, again, Jesus said in verse 42, if you offend one of these little ones, he's talking to his disciples. If you offend one of these little ones that believe in me, you'd be better off with a millstone around your neck and cast into the sea. God's people should be loving and caring people. My wife and I had the opportunity recently to speak with the wife of a preacher. And the conversation uh, went toward or turned to some very deep hurts that this family had experienced in their ministry. Dealing with God's people. Hurts. Criticism. False accusations. You'd like to think those things never happen, but they do happen. It, it, it's, really, it's really a shame... You know, that someone like that who's has given their life to serve in the Lord would be treated so maliciously. You know what I'm saying? That's, a, that's just a horrific thing. And my wife and I, after that conversation, we were driving and, and I said to her, I said, it just doesn't seem right that a person, a family that's, that's given up anything they might do in this world, that they might give their life for the sake of the gospel, and helping people, that they should experience such harsh mistreatment and criticism. I was talking to my wife. But I continued and I said to her, but you know it happened to Jesus. And it happened to all the Old Testament prophets who preached the word of God. And it happened to the Apostle Paul. So we wouldn't, shouldn't think it's strange if it happens to people in our day and age. You know why I bring that up? Is because Jesus is talking about the, the, the seriousness of offending other people. Of hurting other people. And I, I'll just tell you today, we ought to think about little ones, but we ought, to think, we ought to think broader than that when it comes to offending people. Now when I read this passage, I ask the question, who are these little ones that believe? Jesus used that language in verse of 42, whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe. And obviously we think about young people, as I've already stated. Please hear me today. The greatest thing you can do for any young person is to encourage them in the right direction spiritually. The greatest thing is to influence them for the gospel. As I said earlier, Jesus loved young people. And reaching young people, reaching people in their youth is so important. 
Be an example to people in their youth is so important. They, they need examples. I wouldn't want to do anything to offend, to cause to stumble a young person. Would you? Not one single thing. As I was preparing this, I remember a story that I've told before in this church, and, and I'll, I just want to reference it because it applies to this. But many of you know that my wife and I didn't get saved until we were in our early 20s. And um, I had developed a lot of bad habits starting in my teens, you know, smoking and, and, and even then in my, in my early teens, uh, drinking on weekends and hanging out with wrong guys. And, and when I was a sophomore in high school, I started doing drugs and I, that gradually escalated from just a weekend user to a daily user. And for years, that's the way I lived my life. But by God's grace, in 1975, we started going to church, heard the gospel, and got converted, got saved. Our lives were transformed. And I remember what, what it was like for us when, you know, the things I'd normally been doing the days before, you know, the same old things I just described. I've been doing those things, and one by one, those old habits, you know, dropped away. I thank God for that. But there was a habit that I had a hard time, uh, harder time getting rid of, and, I, and that was smoking. And I, I, I quit lots of times, you know. And then I'd start up again. I'd, and, and for you, so that you've never had a habit like that, maybe you can't relate to it. But I, before God, I didn't want that. I knew that wasn't good for me. I wasn't, it wasn't what God wanted. It wasn't what God expected of me. God had something better. But somehow I just had a hard time, you know, quitting it. Not quitting it, but quitting it, really quitting it. I quit numerous times. I drive home from go to prayer meeting at church and God would be working in my life and driving that old 66 Ford pickup home, I'd throw my cigarettes out the window and say, I'll never smoke another one. And then I'd bum them for a day or two. And then I'd be back smoking. This I went on for weeks. In the course of that time, uh, someone asked me to get involved in a ministry, the bus ministry. And I said... I did. I started. We'd start go visiting on Saturdays, ride the bus on Sundays, and you know, over in a very poor area of suburb of Dallas. And one day it came to me, what if one of one of those little kids were to see you smoking a cigarette? And from that moment till now, I've never smoked another cigarette. You know why? Because I wouldn't want to be a stumbling block to anybody in their spiritual growth. Jesus said, if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, you'd be better off with a giant rock hung around your neck. That's what Jesus said. And cast into the sea. It's a very serious thing. We ought to think about young people. May I suggest today that we think about our own families, our own children, those who are around us. What if we caused one of our children to stumble? There's nothing, there should be nothing more important in a parent's life than the spiritual welfare of their children. That they know the Lord. That they serve the Lord with their life. Nothing matters more than to see our children making the right steps spiritually. 
But what if our actions, our attitudes were to cause our children to stumble? The way we conduct ourselves, the words that we say. What if our anger would cause our children to stumble? What if our negative attitude or words about God or God's people around our children would cause them to stumble? Our damaging words, our hurtful words, even our own hypocrisy, when they see that we're one thing at church and we're another thing at home, what if they see that and cause them to say, what, why is this Christianity so important if you can't live it every day of your life? That would cause young people to stumble. May God help us to take our responsibility seriously. But I don't believe these little ones would refer only to young people in their youth. I think it could be expanded in the application to other age groups who believe in Him. I want to read it again. To me, it's such a meaningful passage. Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. What about a new Christian? What about someone who's trying to get their spiritual life together and put one foot in front of the other spiritually and trying to grow as a Christian? It's not always easy. Even once you get saved to begin to make all these positive changes. But what if you did something? What if I did something or said something that would cause them to stumble? That's a serious thing. That's a serious thing. You know, God's people, I say it again, ought to be the most caring and compassionate people on the planet. If there is a safe haven for people to come to where they will find encouragement, it ought to be the house of God. Not criticism. Not not ill-advised words. You know, Jesus has much to say about that. The Gospels have much to say about that. The Epistles have much to say about that. I want to look at a couple of passages. We're going to leave Mark now. We're going to go to Romans and then we're going to go to another passage. And just look at a few verses that speak explicitly very precisely, expressly about this matter of offending others. Romans chapter 14. Just a couple of verses here and then we'll go to 1 Corinthians. But in Romans chapter 14, many of you are are familiar with the context of it and I just want to look at the passage that expresses how serious this is. Romans chapter 14 and verse 13. It says, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. To me, that's a, it's a really a powerful passage. And it's one that we need to really take seriously. Because there's a tendency sometimes on the part even of Christians to say, well, you know, what I do is my business. It doesn't really matter what other people see in me or think about me or hear me say or what, what, what I do in my personal life. But that's not what that Bible teaches. The Bible says, let no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. And in verse 15, if you look there, please, it says, But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, the context is about eating meat offered to idols. But he says, if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, 
now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. He said, if you're doing something that, that is questionable, it's not, you know, we're not talking about something that would, these were, eating this meat offered idly is in and of itself not sinful. But he says, but he says, if you're, if you're doing that, you think you have the liberty to do that, and it causes your brother to stumble, you're not living charitably. That's not love. Love cares about our influence on other people, not just the comforts and conveniences of our own life. This is responsible Christianity, right? Wouldn't you agree with that? This is being responsible. Let's go to another passage. Go to the right, if you would, please, to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And this is the same subject, the same context, talking about this this questionable matter of eating meat. And I, I talked about this briefly Wednesday night. Um, for those of you who may not be familiar with it, you know, Corinth here, this is a letter to the church at Corinth. Corinth was a very wicked place. It was a, a place filled with idolatry. My wife and I have been to Greece and actually to Athens and to Corinth. And and you, you see lots in, in uh these places you go to buy souvenirs, souvenir shops, idols. They still have all these idols, these figurines. And so these people were idol worshipers, and in their, in their worship, they would sacrifice animals. But, but that animal, the meat from those animals, they wouldn't always eat all that meat, and some of that meat would be sold. And it talks about this in this passage. I'm just kind of abbreviating it, give you a little background. And so people were questioning, should we eat that meat? It was meat offered to idols. It's still okay to eat it. And Paul said, we have knowledge that that, it doesn't affect the meat. You know, if it was offered to idols, it doesn't mean it's bad to eat it. But he said this, what if someone who's a weaker person sees you doing that? How might it affect them? Right? That's what he's teaching here. So that's the context. So let's look at this. In verse 9, he says, 1 Corinthians 8, 9. But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. That's a warning. Take heed. Young person, take heed that you doing something that in your mind you don't know that it's all that wrong, but what if it causes a weaker person to stumble? And I just I want to just really press that point home this morning that this is exactly what Jesus is talking about. Don't do anything that would cause someone else to stumble. And he goes on, following that in 1 Corinthians 8 9, he says, For if any man see thee, I have those two words underlined in my Bible, if any man see thee, which has knowledge, sit at meat in the idol's temple, if they see you eating that meat, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols. In essence, what that says is, he, he, this man has an issue with it. He doesn't think it's right, but he sees you doing it. And if you're okay with it, then maybe he's okay to do it also. And he's doing something that he's violating his own conscience. And the thing that caused him to do that is the person who says, I had the liberty to do that. That's what the Bible's teaching, right? It's very serious. It does away with this notion of saying, 
Well, I'm under grace. I'm a Christian. It doesn't matter what a person sees in me. It does matter what a person sees in you. goes on to say in verse 11, And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. Verse 12, But when you sin so against the brethren... You ought to think about those words. When you do that, you're sinning against the brethren. When you so sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Not sinning because you're doing something that you think the Bible says is wrong, but sinning because you do something that you think you can do, and yet you're doing it is offending somebody else. You're sinning. Is that right or wrong? Verse 13, Paul says then, Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. Paul Paul himself, I, I can assure you of this, Paul himself would not have had a problem by himself sitting down and eating that meat because he knows that meat is nothing. But he said, if there's a chance it might offend somebody else, I'll not touch that meat for the rest of my life. All of this to me falls under that teaching of Jesus when he said that if you offend one of these little ones that believeth in me, you'd be better off having a millstone tied around your neck and you cast into the sea. Our commitment, our duty as Christians goes beyond our personal preferences and our personal pleasures. Wouldn't it be horrible? Wouldn't it be horrible if someone in their mind, they're trying to, they're trying to get their life together spiritually, they're trying to grow in Christ, and, they're, and, one, and one of us Maybe a parent, maybe a friend, maybe someone at church says something, does something, acts in some way that would even cause them to be inclined to do something that in their heart they don't really think it's right, but they'll do it because they see you doing it. And you say, well, that's just not a responsibility I want to wear. But I just want to tell you, if you're a child of God, you've got the responsibility whether you want to wear it or not. Right? Right? I've seen this happen. I've seen this happen where people who have a fairly good view of what's right and wrong and would find certain things to be outside the realm of God's best for them and yet before long they're compromising and one of the reasons they're compromising is because they see other people compromising. And that makes everybody feel better because we're all compromising. I just say shame on any of us that because of our decisions, our lifestyle, our language, our music, anything about us would be so would be the cause of someone stumbling spiritually. We're to consider, young person, you ought to consider how your life, your testimony, your words affect other people. Now, there's a positive side to this. 
And for a few moments, I want us to think about that. And that is any of us, any of us who are saved can have a positive influence on the lives of others. By By our life, by our testimony, by our words, by being careful about the way we live our lives. We're to be salt and light. And Jesus said this, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Our testimony, our words, our works, our homes, our family, the way we raise our children... The, the, the way we live our lives should be a testimony to other people that this is what Christianity looks like. Live out the truths of God's Word. And there may be someone sitting here today and you're thinking, but I'm not perfect myself. Well, I have, I have news for you. None of us are. I'm not, you're not, none of us are. But all of us can have a role in helping other people. And encouraging other people. You and I have both the responsibility and the privilege to live our lives in such a way that our testimony will help other people spiritually. I'm going to speak to our young people just because I've got them on my mind so much today. You know, if, if there was a... Let's just imagine that there was a young person, a teenager that found their way into our church or found their way into the youth group or came because of an activity or something and they start coming to church. And they listen to the preaching and they take it seriously and God is working in their heart. Are you with me so far? They really want to live the Christian life. You know one of the things that could have a a great effect on them either for them really getting on board and all in for Christ or saying this is really not everything that I thought it was Christ. You know what's going to affect them is their peers, how their peers live, how we talk, how, how we talk about our parents, how we demonstrate a love for the Bible, how we show an interest in lost souls, how we respect mom and dad, those kind of things. You say it doesn't matter. It does matter. and It doesn't just matter for teenagers. It matters for all of us. God help us not to be a negative effect on others, but to be a positive effect. Rather than being a stumbling block, may we be stepping stones that help people. We're not, you know, I have as many flaws as as anybody in this room. All of us struggle with our sinful nature. But I've never needed anyone, never wanted anyone, never desired to have anybody in my life that's going to encourage me to do less for Jesus Christ. I want people around me that will admonish me and encourage me to be all in for Jesus Christ. By the way, that's what we all ought to want. And that's what, and it helps others when we're doing it ourselves. So let's just think about the verse again and we're done today. Jesus said, Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believes in me, he would be better with a millstone hanged around his neck and him cast into the sea. May we take that seriously today. What are we teaching our children 
What are they learning from our example? How's our lifestyle affecting other people? If you're here today and you know the Lord, my prayer has been that you'll examine your own heart and ask yourself, if somebody was looking at me real close, would what they see encourage them to be better for Jesus? Or might it tempt them to fall spiritually or decline in their spiritual growth? I think it's worth thinking about. And if you're here today and you're not saved, I'm telling you today, Jesus Christ loves you so much. He gave His life for you that you could know Him in a personal way. This is not just about having religion. This is about a relationship with Jesus Christ that changes our life. And if you don't have that, you ought to come today. Let somebody show you from the Bible how you could be saved.